0: We see the world not as it is, but as we are. I think this quote speaks a lot to, you know, the way that we see the world is shaped in a large part, not due to just how the world is or simply facts, but it's also due to who we are as individuals and where our starting points are. Um, Something I remember learning in geometry a few years back is what was called postulates before you could have any theorems and before you could prove anything about mathematics is you had the postulates and there were assumptions. You couldn't prove them, but they were foundational to everything else that you knew. And you couldn't argue to prove anything else without first having the postulate. And so I think that's kind of a metaphor for how we have postulates in our own worldviews and in our own lives. And um, you have a postulates of things that you believe in your foundational assumptions. And sometimes you don't realize that when you are coming to a conclusion on politics or theology or any other um, aspect where you might argue for a belief, that it's not so much due to a difference in facts that you have to people you disagree with, but a difference in your foundational assumptions. And so that's so much. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today is kind of getting to know us and then uh, who we are, what our foundational assumptions are. And why we believe what we believe. And when we go out throughout this podcast and we're saying what we believe, what are the places that we use to get to those points? So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I wanted to talk about is what is at the core of our identities? What would you say is the most foundational thing when you think of who you are as a person? what what could you not take away and still be yourself? Michaela, i want to start with you. When you think about I am Michaela Broom, what are the maybe like two or three initial characteristics that you would say make you yourself?
1: Um. Well, I think the first thing would be um, what you can't take away even if your body is not there. Mm. So the first thing would be the things that Are important to your soul so your personality and you know the things that you're passionate about so i'm a dancer i'm an artist and that really influences the way i see the world but other than that i think being black really influences influences the way i see the world because that's how people see me and it's just kind of an unavoidable thing when it comes to living life and then of course the overarching one would be that i'm a christian Mm. So, oh, and I'm a woman. Yes. That's, that's also a thing, too.
0: So I noticed you said some things like you're black and you're a woman. And those are things that really aren't under your control. But then you also said things like, I feel like I'm an artist and I'm a dancer. And those are kind of, you got there to more things that happened in your life and choices that you made to take place. So right. what, what would you say? Is it, is it who you are? Is it more about who you choose to be? Or is it more about? just I guess the cards you got dealt initially
1: I think it's a combination of both because when it comes down to it you cannot escape what you were born as um, as much as people like to believe they can I was born a woman and I was born black and that's just not changing anytime soon so I can't escape that but at the same time Everyone is unique as an individual, and those are the things that are inside and who you learn to be, who you choose to be as you grow up. So, yeah. Also, your parents yeah. are are a big thing too.
0: What would you have to say about that, Christian? Like, how? What would you say is the core of your identity, and how are the things that you've chosen to be relate to the things that you are? I guess not so much your choices. Of what you've been able to choose to be,
2: right, um, when I think about that question, I try to kind of take a step back from the sort of immutable characteristics, like I'm a guy, um I'm white, but like personally, I mean to an extent like being a guy, for example, that you know there's differences between men and women hmm. and how you will live your life, but um, aside from that, like immutable characteristics I think don't really. We shouldn't prioritize them, in my opinion, Mm. um, because they're not in our control. So why worry about them? But in terms of things that are in our control, um, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. I mean, aside from my name, I I am a Christian in faith. (laughs) Um, And I think that dramatically affects my worldview. That affects what what I think, what I believe, how I speak, what I do. Um, It affects how I was raised and the household I grew up in. Mm. And as a result, it has a big influence and impact on uh, just my day-to-day life and the people I interact with. <clears throat> um, beyond that, um, I mean, I have, I have interests, I have passions. Um, personality-wise, I'm kind of right in the middle between an introvert and an extrovert. So, um, you know, I, I can be very sociable, but also I can be very introverted and not wanting to to get too entangled in, in social stuff. So, um, I mean, that's who I am as an individual Uh, But that's really like an individual. I think that word is very important because that's how I view myself. I don't view myself as being part of some collective group of people other than the extent, I mean, uh, Christians sort of view ourselves as being like in a the, the body of Christ is sort of a group of a collective of people. But other than that, I don't really think of myself as being part of any sort of identity group. I think of myself just as an individual who's in this world and, you know, trying to find my
3: place therein. What would you say, John? What would you say are the
0: core I your identity?
3: Well, I think it's somewhat hard for me to say because like the quote you opened with, mm. it's hard for me to view myself in an objective manner. So it's kind of hard for me to say That's what the fair. core of my identity is. And it's also just tainted by the day-to-day things I do. It's very hard for me to step back and say, you know, what is the core of my identity? A couple things I thought about that I would say very much influence the way I live my life. One is I really... Enjoy trying to understand more and more about the world. Hmm. And so, learning about politics and philosophy and theology and things of this nature and questioning the things that I grew up believing and the things other people around the world believe uh, is very important to me. I think it's really important that we try to understand the world as best we can. Hmm. Um, I, I really enjoy, as well, to a certain extent, and I'm not very, I guess. I'm no expert on it, but I very much so do enjoy art, you know, mm-hmm. um, I very much like listening to music and watching movies and reading books and things of this nature. I think appreciating art is something that I- I'm very much into, although my taste may not be super sophisticated. And then I think as far as my worldview, I think it's very important that people love their neighbor as themselves. I think that's something that I think there's a lot of ways we understand the world that have their downsides and setbacks, but, I think if you can achieve loving your neighbor as yourself, there aren't a whole lot of drawbacks to that. And at the end of the day, currently I'm a Christian. I, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus was his son and is also God and died for our sins. Um, but I also think of a lot about questioning that. And, so, uh, and about if that's, truly, um, if that's truly reality. So um, I am a Christian. I do certainly question my beliefs quite a bit. Um, but I would say to the best of my understanding of my core, my identity, that's what I would say. Hmm.
0: Now, one thing I noticed that none of you guys mentioned is that is where you guys kind of came from, is that none of you mentioned that you were American. John didn't mention he was a Texan, Chris didn't mention he was North Carolinian, and neither you nor I, Michaela, mentioned that we're from Ohio. And so how much
1: that's because it's irrelevant
0: <laughs> so that's that's kind of what i was going to get at it was like how much you think where you're from matters to you um not necessarily how much it should but how much does it um you know specific, specifically coming from america um we were just kind of me and john were just kind of talking about earlier a lot of the values that we have we're a low context culture we tend to value um, things being spoken and written down more than just nonverbal cues. We tend to value individuality and personal property and these things as such a success much more than other cultures. And so do how much do you think that plays into who you are as a person? Do you tend to question um, some of the things that, um, I guess, assumptions that you have from where you are or how you were raised um or do you consider those to just kind of be um who you are or not really relevant at all i mean i'll jump in there i'll definitely say that i think to
2: like north carolina to a less extent but uh the united states to a very significant extent has played a role in um just the culture has shaped uh who i am and, and my views and the things i enjoy and care about um just undeniably like i'm i'm very um freedom oriented, I'm sort of libertarian in my general mindset, I I think people should basically be able to do whatever they want, so long as they're not harming anyone else. Um, Even if it's not necessarily something I I agree with or think is a a smart thing to do. Um, And that I think really comes from the culture I was raised in where freedom and individuality are valued. Um, You know, living in the south, we have certain sort of um, things that are just not as common culturally up north, which I don't want to, talk like i don't want this to come off as if uh uh this is not a a value up north but i just heard talking to friends who live in like places like new jersey Mm -hmm. like uh saying things like yes ma'am or yes sir to your parents or to adults is not as common in other parts of the country as it is here in the south and i never realized that um until i talked to people from other places other states um but we just have a sort of different culture around that and so you know that's definitely shaped me. Um,
3: yeah. I guess to jump in here as well, I would agree in general with Christian. I think our culture plays a big role in who we are as people and our morals and our values and things of that nature. I think about the people living in, in Germany during World War II versus the people living in America. They weren't, I don't believe at who they were as people were probably that drastically different, but because of the culture they grew up in and that they lived in and were a part of, that led them to take drastically different actions, which we would judge in retrospect very differently. I think people around the world have different cultures, different values, different religions. If I was born um, in China, I definitely wouldn't be a Christian right well i don 't know there's quite a few Christians there, but I probably wouldn't be a Christian because I wouldn't have been exposed to that. Um, or another place in the world. I mean, it might be a Muslim if I was born um, in the Middle Eastern India or somewhere like that. So I think it's, it's difficult for me to say um, who I would be if I was born somewhere else. But I definitely recognize it takes a huge, it takes a huge part of who we are, our culture.
1: Yeah, I think being American is a very big factor. Um, but as far as like, being from ohio like what's in ohio you know there's corn there's corn (laughs) Corn. the only thing that happens is when i ask for a pop people don't know what i want (laughs) and that's frustrating but Uh, other than that i can't say there's like
0: ohio i think there's some cultural differences between the north and the south um but i i think a lot of this stuff is kind of we got because some of our family was from the South, like kind of how Dad's family is from Alabama, and we grew up kind of saying "Yes, ma'am," "Yes, sir," even though that stuff is kind of more common down here.
1: Yeah, we didn't kind th- of grow up like that. Yeah, we yeah, were like it right, was like right. not an option.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the way we grew up, and so I, I guess it's a, a lot of what you. I think you kind of got out of this earlier, Michaela. Is a lot of what you are is not only determined by necessarily your genes, but also who you're born to and the way they raised you. And so I think that is a great, also another great determinant. And something you also got to as well was kind of the difference between the characteristics that you're born with or that you have innately versus the characteristics that you choose to have. But I kind of wanted to go more into this because it's just been something I was thinking about. How much do our physical selves contribute to who we are As individuals, because one of the first things you said, Michaela, is that I don't want to base my identity in who I am, like physically. But to a certain extent, I know um, all of us mentioned that we're Christians and that we have this Judeo-Christian worldview where we're more than just our physical selves. We have souls and those will live long after our bodies. But is not. But characteristics such as I'm black, I'm a male, you know. I'm 17 years old even. All those are physical characteristics directly tied into the fact that I'm a human being in a physical sense. So how much does that coming from a judeo-christian worldview um how much does that influence who you are who you should be as a person even in your um in even given that you have souls that are independent from your physical self.
1: Ooh, I have stuff to say about this. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, I took a class my freshman year of college about this—the this stuff basically. And the, we spent like the first half of the semester talking about identity,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So, when it comes to uh, physical identity, there's there's this thing, right? So, John is a White, straight, male. Right? I can yeah, assume that, that, right? We
2: We're not
3: going <laughs> to make any sense.
1: And he's, he's what, 17?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So those are the things that, that make John, John, right? Mm-hmm. So here in America, when John goes out in the world, that's what people see him as. They're not going to look at him and think, oh, wow, look at that Indian lady over there. You know, like, that's <laughs> just not going to happen. So... Oftentimes, when you ha- when you are in the majority, you don't think about certain aspects of yourself as being part of your identity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of times, people who are white go around and they don't often think about the fact. Oh, look at me! I'm walking around and I'm white. They mm-hmm. just don't think that, you know. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, guys don't walk around thinking, "Oh man, I'm a guy." You know, it's only For the record.
2: Guys are technically a minority.
0: In America, yeah. In America,
1: <laughs> in America, yes. But you still hold power, so there's that. But the thing is, <laughs> you know, the second you become in minority, you suddenly that 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 you're very conscious of that mm-hmm. because you know you take Josh and John walking around in a dark parking lot. Which one are you? Th- which one is thinking? Ooh man, I'm black. I shouldn't be walking around in a dark parking lot. Like it, it's, 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 uh, you suddenly become conscious of it. And when you're, when you're a woman and say you're left alone in a room with a man alone, you suddenly become very conscious that, oh, I'm a woman and I'm weaker than him in certain ways, you know, whereas if you leave two men alone, they're, they're not going to be like, oh man, look at that. I was left alone with a man.
0: Like, you're just... <laughs> I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm left alone.
1: Okay. Well, I, say I, you're I in a to say what you're saying. Full... I don't think
0: about the fact that I'm a man in the sense I'm left alone. I just think I'm left alone with this guy. <laughs> <I don't laughs> right. Really right. Right.
1: <laughs> right. So the thing is with identity, or you know, we all happen to be straight. If we weren't, we would suddenly become aware. Oh, I'm. You know, I'm the only gay person here. Mm. It's like it. If you're, if you're the one who's maybe not necessarily a, a minority, mm. but the one who is considered less desirable for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel out of place gonna,
0: in that situation.
1: Right. You're going to suddenly become aware of that and it's going to become a more formidable part of your identity.
0: So you think, so what you're kind of getting at is depending upon the situation, even though the innate future may be the same, it's going to compromise a different part of your identity. Like a, a black man growing up in Senegal is going to have a different, perspective on his identity in a black man growing up in sweden
1: correct <laughs> yes i
0: think that's a fair point what would you have to say about it either john or christian the the question like how much does who you are as your physical self your age or even like your your size or anything like that how much do you think that plays into your actual identity or how much should it rather christian you want to go first <laughs> you want me okay to. all right um well i'll just say
2: i mean i think it definitely does. Um, And one thing that comes to mind is that, you know, when when we think of how our brain processes things, typically we, we have a very survival instinct brain, Mm -hmm. right? Fear, danger, um, things we don't like, um, rejection, those things tend to have a much stronger memory and effect in our brain, because it's a protective instinct, than good things might. Yeah. Um, So I think that, it's sort of one way to sort of explain and understand that um, just on a practical sort of biological level that if we feel that we're in an uncomfortable place, that we are in a minority, that we're maybe in a position where we're more vulnerable, I'll put it, um, then that's going to stand out to our brain more. And we're going to just think about that
3: more, whether or not it's rational, mm. it's going to be on our mind. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I would say I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time (laughs) thinking about this. Mm -hmm. I would say I think there is a bit of a distinction between things that are core to your identity and things that maybe you think about more often or are more concerned about. That's very true. I think that there's a difference there. Personally, (laughs) I don't think the core of someone's identity, for the most part, is very heavily tied to them physically. I think it can be, and I think it depends on the person in um, their circumstances. But I think in general, it may um, somewhat change how they view themselves. I guess I guess that's a good point. It probably does change how people view themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: I, I don't really know. I'd have to think about that more. Okay,
3: but those are my two cents.
0: Um, I have one final question about, I guess, the more "who are we?" question before we get into our worldviews is. Is there a correct answer to this question? Is there something that everybody actually is and we're just trying to find how well we can get at that? Or is who we are just really up to our own perception of ourselves? Um, We all gave different perspectives on who we are based upon different criteria. Is there a set of correct criteria? Or is there a set of some criteria okay and some that are not like, is there a correct answer to saying what is court's or identity or can what is court's identity does it change completely from person to person
3: i think based on the answers we gave it's quite clear it changes from person to person there was some overlap but mm. i think we each had distinct things that were to our identity i think generally it's what motivates you i think is one of the big keys to what's your identity what what deeply interest you and what motivates you um you know so that that would be my opinion yeah,
0: yeah I, mean,
2: I think depending on how fundamental or how frivolous you want to get with mm. like elements of individual identity mm. um i mean on a very basic level we all are human and on sort of a you know religious worldview level where people made in the image of god so we have human dignity and individual worth um But beyond that, I mean, you could add on to the things that we've already been talking about, but um, that's the thing that in terms of what's unique to all of us, Mm -hmm. that's what comes to my mind, but that's sort of coming from my, you know, worldview Mm -hmm. um, that not everyone may share.
1: Yeah. And I think it also varies from like topic to topic as well, because if you ask me on like about my opinion on Dr. Pepper, you know, for example... You know, the fact that I'm a Christian really has nothing to do with that. You know what I'm saying? So, but if you ask me about, you know, what do you think about atheism, then it suddenly becomes very important. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're saying anything, I can't hear you anymore.
0: Oh, I wasn't saying anything.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, your opinion on, you know, racism versus your opinion on creationism like different parts of your identity may start to come out when you're talking about different topics
0: that's also yeah, very true, sure. sure. for sure okay. all right so i wanted to move on to talk more about what our worldviews are exactly and so the first question i have is what are your non-negotiable beliefs and i, I think about this question a lot because it's what am I willing to hear other people's, I guess not necessarily willing to hear other people's opinions on, but what would I actually ever theoretically be willing to change my mind about? Because there are things that I believe strongly. um, But even though I believe it strongly, there's still some room there to say, you know, I, I, there's a possibility that I might be wrong, but is there, Is there anything where you would say, this is not, we're not really going to talk about it. This is something that is just accepted. There is no situation I could ever see that I'm changing my mind about this. What is a view that you have that is just so fundamental that you could define it as Um, non-negotiable?
3: I have one opinion. I spent some time thinking about this and I had to Google non-negotiable. It said Mm -hmm. like not up to discussion or Mm -hmm. change Which most of the things I hold very important I would say, are up to discussion and change because I think they're important to discuss and potentially change your mind if you're wrong about them. So when I thought about it, I would think if someone were able to produce a ton of evidence saying I'm wrong about a particular issue, would I change my mind? Yeah. I could only think of two things. They're both moral um, statements. I don't think, even in the face of evidence to the contrary, I would ever change my mind on the morality of murder or rape. So I would say those are both non-negotiable beliefs for no. me. I don't think that there's an intellectual belief that with in the face of evidence to the contrary, yeah.
0: I wouldn't put up for
3: discussion or debate. Them.
0: I would say I also have two non-negotiable beliefs, but I think they're kind of I think they're kind of in a way almost precede yours. And my two are the existence of truth and the existence of morality. I was going to say exactly well, that. I was going to say <laughs> those are two things that I would say. I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about I don't think there's a way you're going to change my mind about that. I think those are things that are just so self evident. If you deny those things, I think the entire discussion just loses meaning If there's no truth. If there's no morality, I think there has to be a right or wrong in terms of true or false. And I think there has to be a right and wrong in terms of good or bad, because I think without that, every other discussion loses meaning.
3: May I ask a question along yeah. those lines of you? So I definitely agree with mm. you. Truth is obviously, mm. is obviously true. Mm. Uh, the, if it wasn't true, you couldn't even prove that statement true. Mm. However, is there a practical difference between saying truth exists, mm-hmm. yet I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think anyone can know what it is, but yes, I certainly think truth exists somewhere out there and saying no truth doesn't exist? Do you think there's a practical difference? So you're
0: saying, is there a difference between truth doesn't exist and saying, between saying truth doesn't exist and saying between truth is not normal? Yes. Is there a practical difference?
3: Of course there's a, a philosophical difference, but is there a practical difference in your mind between those two? Things? Hmm.
0: That's, that's a good question. Is there a practical difference between it saying it's not normal? Um, I think there is it practical difference um, because if truth does exist versus whether or not it exists whether or not you know it, it can still have implications like I, I guess this is a simplistic example but just kind of how you say to the law is no excuse even if you don't know what the law is whether or not what the law is and whether or not you follow it will still ultimately have implications on you if you believe that truth doesn't exist what truth is doesn't matter but if you just believe that truth is not knowable The truth can still have impacts on you, even though you don't necessarily know what those impacts are or how to respond to them. So I think it does matter in a a pragmatic sense whether or not truth exists, not just whether or not it's normal. But I think that is a very good, very interesting. Yeah, I, I,
3: I haven't thought about it that way, but that's a good answer.
2: I would add on to that slightly that I think on a practical level um i sort of disagree i think there's there's very little difference practically Mm -hmm. um if if truth is unknowable versus there is no truth because effectively you're living the same way regardless yeah truth doesn't matter in this life you're going to do whatever you want basically because Mm -hmm. who's to say you're wrong um who are you to tell yourself that you're wrong um or right for that matter um if you look at a bigger perspective um then, you know, if you believe there's an afterlife, if you believe that um, there are consequences to actions beyond you know, how you're living right now, then that is where those effects come into play. Um, I, I don't know if I would consider that as much of a practical uh, difference mm. versus just a, um, you know, ideological difference. I, I, I'm not sure how it would categorize that, but I
3: agree. I have a quest- quick question off of that. Now And this is just completely, I guess, your opinion. I'm, I would like to know, do you know there's an afterlife and do you know God exists, in your opinion? Like, not simply do you believe it. Do you believe it's reasonable? Do you believe it's true? Do you know that? That's a statement of absolute truth in your
2: mind. I think that belief is dependent upon some degree of faith. Um, I think it can be... I mean... Ultimately, I think it does come down to faith, even though I hate to say that because it sounds
0: very unsupportable. But it almost sounds like to say that Christianity is based on faith almost sounds kind of like faithless, right? Because it sounds like you're doubting Christianity to say like, that. Like, well, I just, to I just yeah. feel this way. I just think it's... Yeah. But,
1: but everything is based off of faith. Anything yeah. you you can't like see or touch or hear. Ultimately, it comes down to faith. Because, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I I I think it's hard to answer it in the sense of do you know objectively because to know something objectively in my mind requires proof that you cannot always provide just for every single thing you believe Mm. um so that's a tough one i I don't like that answer but i
3: think it is but let let me follow up again so you don't know there's an afterlife you don't necessarily know what you believe as a worldview is true Yet yeah, you don't go running around, or you don't know, excuse me. Did I say believe all along? No, I don't you said no. You don't know those things, yet you still value the truth, and you still don't run around doing things just because, you know, truth doesn't matter. Yet you admit, in this example, you don't necessarily know the truth, or can you know the truth? You have to take it on faith. So... I, I guess think it's hard because yep. when you put it that way, um, in, in my mind, the
2: way I answer that is, well, I I do know and it's, it's, you know, I believe that what I believe, I believe I know in a sense. But whenever I hear the question phrased, do you know this? Um, my brain sort of says, no, like, okay, I don't objectively know this, but at the same time in my mind, if I believe it to be true, then I do know it. So it's sort of a conflicting thing because I feel like, Objective, I believe I objectively know it, but at the same time, I feel like I am compelled to have more than just in my mind saying I know it. I feel like I need to have some higher standard or burden of proof to say that I know it. Yeah. it it's more of a rhetorical thing than a than anything else. But um I don't know; it's hard to yeah.
0: to answer. What would you say, Michael? It looked like you were trying to say something.
1: Um. I mean, aren't we ultimately talking about people who are kind of like, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you kind of thing? Where it's like, you know, if I, it, you know, I really didn't know that hitting him up beside the head was wrong. So, I mean, there can't be that many consequences. You know, it's just, be- just because you didn't know doesn't mean it's going to turn out all right, you know? Um, so I think that that's one of the ways that we begin to find out fundamental truths is when things are true they've got consequences man you know and so <laughs> i think you know you ask christian is there a god is there an afterlife whether you know or not one day it will become very important and <laughs> the best thing you can you, thing you can do is live like you know like you know that you know you yeah. know what i'm saying because if <laughs> um when you say "I don't know," so it doesn't matter. That—that's, I think, where the falsehood begins, yeah. because just because you doesn't don't know doesn't mean it doesn't matter. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's. I think I mentioned this before in club, or I don't think it was club. I think it was maybe the meaning. What we club had. are you referring to, Our, sir? debate club. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I said is you have to act. You can't operate. Off of believing what you think is true is wrong. It, I, I I forget how exactly I phrased it, but you can't. If you believe something is true, it doesn't make sense to act like it's false just because it might be. You see what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And so if you think, even if you say you're not completely sure, if you believe, um, that. Um, what John said, his non-negotiable belief was just the first thing that came to my mind, if you believe that murder is wrong, even if for whatever reason that wasn't non-negotiable, even may say, say there's a chance that murder is not wrong you're not going to go out and murder somebody just because you're not 100% confident, you can't operate on the basis of what you don't know I guess in a sense, is what I would say, and so I think that there is a lot of things that we may not be 100% certain of I do believe that there are some things that we can be certain of, but I also believe that there are some things that we don't know in an absolute sense, but that we can know in the sense in a pragmatic sense, and the way that we ought to act like we do know, and that um, we should treat it like we do know. Uh, like you said, Michaela, I think faith is key to a lot of these things, and there's no belief system that you're ever going to have that is going to not require you to use a large measure of faith because there are just some things that you're not going to experience. You can't experience the afterlife before you die by definition. And so you're not going to know in an absolute sense if it is real or not because you won't have firsthand experience, but you have to act like either you do, either you know it exists or you know it doesn't exist because it's just so important. Let me ask you a question.
3: I hate to completely sidetrack us, but when we're talking about these important things Mm -hmm. and degrees of knowledge with them, does it come down to just that, degrees of knowledge? And then at a certain point, even though we can't ever reach 100% on certain truths, we can reach a degree of knowledge, which allows us enough confidence to say, I can take the rest on faith that it's true. Or do you start from the point of faith and um, essentially operate from there? I I think it's
2: the first scenario. I think um, bouncing back to the Christian worldview on this, the perspective is sort of that we live in a world of limited uh, uh, revelation where basically God doesn't reveal everything to us. We still have questions that don't always get answered immediately, but some things— are revealed to us like it's generally believed uh that um well there's there's debate on this but there's some that argue that god reveals himself to everyone that basically people are born knowing that god exists or they will find out that god exists and they may choose to accept or reject that um but some people may realize that um another issue would be morality that people generally unless you know something crazy happens generally most people accept that Human life matters, and that killing someone, murdering an innocent person, is a bad thing. That is wrong. That is something that is revealed to us. To us, that's generally accepted. Some people may choose to reject that. Some people may go off and and, and you know do other things. But that is something that is generally revealed to us. And then, whenever presumably, if if you die, you go to heaven, you you are with God. Then presumably, you will have full revelation or closer to full revelation, and you will understand things more so uh, being near God and, and uh, understanding his perspective on things more than you would if you're still on earth. Presumably that is sort of the perspective on that. And I think it's valid.
3: Uh, Josh and Mikhail, I'm interested in uh, hearing y'all's, uh, response to the question. Do y'all remember it though? I kind of,
0: yeah. What well, do you time? say it one more time?
3: I'm trying to, yeah. I'm struggling to remember what my <laughs> original question was. Um, <laughs> I think this is kind
0: of along the lines, is it with degrees of knowledge? Oh, yes,
3: degrees of knowledge. Essentially, when it comes down to important things, um, cores of your worldview, even if you can't know them absolutely, do you go based on degrees of knowledge and take the rest on faith, Hmm. or do you start from a starting point? I guess that's a bit redundant, but (laughs) you start from the point of faith, I believe this to be true, and then I seek degrees of knowledge after the fact, essentially, that's the question
1: uh well I think especially going to college you got to figure that out real fast you know Mm. because you're going to have a bunch of people telling you a bunch of stuff and you're just going to be like wow I better figure out what I know (laughs) you know um and so um hmm I think with the degrees of knowledge thing, it's like there. I I never really said my core values, but I do have some. I have some core values. (laughs) And when I came here to college, even though I I attend Messiah University, it's a Christian college, but Mm. you're still running into people. You have professors who are Christians, but they believe in evolution. For example, you have uh, professors who support the LGBTQ movement. You know, but everyone, everyone's here is is Christian, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but there's still those things, you know, the other things surrounding it. That's like, okay, what are my non-negotiables, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, if anything, I look in the Bible and I see that it said, well, first of all, things like anything in the Ten Commandments, you're not going to mess with that anytime soon with me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then anything that God is like, this is an abomination. It grieves my heart. That's a no for me, too. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, oh, yeah, like don't he, like over and over. You see God's heart grieved when there's oppression. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When you
1: see people unjustly being controlled by these rulers and God is in the Bible always like, hey, that's that's not what I want. Don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you see Sodom and Gomorrah, the stuff that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. God is like, listen, that's not OK. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So. I know people get caught up in the things like, you know, should women wear head coverings or whatever. But I think if you pay attention when you read the Bible, it becomes apparent the things that God is like. hey, that don't do that, mm. <laughs> you know, Um So, for me, I had to kind of say, listen, those are the things that I'm, you can't touch me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your degree is, but, you know, this is what I believe. But Mm. at the same time, something that I've recently become aware of, well, in the past couple of years or so, is that life is messy. And therefore, life is messy and situational. So, I think especially oh something we forgot to mention about all of our identities is that we were homeschooled, okay?
0: Oh yeah. That's that's, true, that's true.
1: and maybe, maybe, just maybe we might be a little bit sheltered. Just maybe.
0: Yep. A little bit, a little bit.
1: <laughs> um but I I'm, i I would still consider myself, you know, a little sheltered here at a Christian college in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Um okay. but even with that. I get here, and I'm just like, okay, life is messy and situational, and people are not growing up the same way I grew up, and people are not seeing the world the same way I grew up. People don't have the same mental, uh, the, the word now is neurotypical. Not everyone is neurotypical, um, if you will, and it's just... You mm, You can't. I think you can still call wrong, wrong, but you've got to learn to have some empathy. Without empathy, you're going to get nowhere. And I think that when you look at Jesus and the fact that he just came down and took time to become a human. That is empathy right there. You know, and so when you talk about. um. I think one of my core beliefs is have empathy because mm-hmm. you're never going to communicate or show God's love without it. Yeah. So I think that's when you start to get pretentious. It's like, you know, I know, and I know what I know, and you can't tell me nothing and everyone else is wrong. They might be wrong, but you can still listen, you mm-hmm. know? Um and I think that's where Christians in general get a really bad rep. We don't listen. We just sit up here and we're ready to respond. What am I going to say? You know. But it's not always about that. It's not always about that. Sometimes it is, but not always.
0: Yep. Okay. What so. else? I <laughs> was. I guess next thing that I was going to get to is what are some things we talked about the non negotiables the things that we want to change and that we don't think can be changed, but what are some of the more important aspects of your worldview that maybe somebody could argue against? Like, I, I believe this kind of what we talked about. We already got to this a lot. Like what is something that's very important to me? But I, I do think that I don't know it for certain. And that therefore, if someone presented an amount of evidence to the contrary of my current belief, I might, I might theoretically be willing to change my mind. Can I just
1: say right now that not liking bananas is a fundamental part of my worldview? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to change that one. So that's not included on this particular list, but it goes with the other one.
0: (laughs) Okay. okay. But along this line, more specifically, I wanted to... um, Kind of ask about um, wh- what are some of the different values? Because we have worldviews, and I had some of them in terms of like naturalism, pantheism, deism, and worldviews like that. But I think there's also like moral worldviews in terms of like utilitarianism and things more along those lines. Um, so I that's guess a lot of big
1: it... words, sir. <laughs> that's true. But to <laughs> what, what <are> the basis? <laughs> <the faces>? So <laughs> essentially, what I'm asking is, do you
0: think that? Um, one of your highest values, is it well-being for the most people? Is it um, most life? Is it just about everybody being alive? Um, And then another thing I wanted to talk about as well, um, uh, something that's come up recently a lot, is what is the value of humans relative to other parts of creation? So I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah,
1: Josh, what do you think about that? You versus, like, say my plant over here.
0: Um, Versus your plant, I think (laughs) it's got to be pretty close. But (laughs) I I think I might have to take it because of my haircut. I know Sam. Sam ever hears it. He'll be proud of that quip. But I I think that I think that's one of the things where it does matter about your starting points. Um, Because If you come from a starting point of maybe a um, pantheistic worldview, for example, if you come from a pantheistic worldview, um, you believe everything is God and you believe that everything is a part of this one essential essence. So there's really no difference between a human or anything else. That's got to
2: be such a weird worldview at times. Yeah. Like like when you you hit something with your car and you're like, oh no, I just hit God.
0: Yeah. It's got to be pretty hard. (laughs) Yeah. Or, I mean, if you come from a nihilistic worldview and believe that nothing matters at all, if the value of everything is zero, everything is still zero. But, I mean, even if you come from a naturalistic, if you come from a naturalistic worldview, then we're simply just another organism. Um, um, We're just essentially a different animal. I think in order for humans to be different, it kind of does require a theistic slash deistic worldview to come to that conclusion. But I do come from that place, and I do believe that humans are created in the image of God, and we are essentially separate from all other creation, even animals that are more genetically similar to us. I don't really believe that the genetic similarity to us has um, significance in terms of morality, I guess. I think, and I do think a lot of the terms and people would say, why would you kill a pig in terms of why would you kill a dog? I think this may be a very unpopular opinion, but I believe a credible amount of that is cultural, not really in an absolute moral sense. I know that, yeah. I think that's a very unpopular opinion, but I, 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 that's the yeah. opinion that I have.
1: And it's only unpopular in America. Exa-
0: exactly, exactly. That's kind of my point.
1: <laughs> right. But, but yeah. Um,
0: so, I, 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 that's my opinion. I don't, I think that humanity is essentially different than other forms of life i don't think life has i don't believe that life of anything has the same value as a life of a human being does yeah yep
1: well what you were saying about um like your the things that you could be dissuaded on maybe Mm -hmm. um i think what you were saying about certain things being cultural Mm -hmm. i think anything that well not i won't say anything because you know there's some, just because it's your culture doesn't make it right.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's just put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I will say that, that can be a, like a standard ish for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. If it's a cultural thing, then I'm like, okay, maybe I need to examine my culture because like I said, just because your culture doesn't make it right. Yeah. Um, For example, I was just sitting in global theology class the other day and there was this question of, are we allowed to use pineapple juice for communion? Mm. Because they were in, I want to say, some country in Africa. And they, they don't have grapes like that there. <laughs> and wine is really expensive, you know. And they have an abundance of pineapples, you know. And so I'd be
0: up for
1: the, the people there said, <laughs> we figured Jesus was just doing wine because they got a lot of wine over there. And that's mm-hmm. what he was already drinking, you know? And and honestly, that makes perfect sense to me. If you know? Yeah. So I don't think Jesus is gonna be like, dude, you gotta go get some some wine. It otherwise it doesn't count. Has you to know? be
2: a Chardonnay. Also, Anything like else, most Christians, Cabernet, you're going to hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> most Christians here in America, we don't drink wine, we do grape juice, you know? Yeah. But th- it's funny because in that theology class he was telling us that there was this one guy in Africa and he had Welches imported for his communion because he was under the impression that it needed to be Welches or else it wasn't it wasn't communion. In the right way. It's gotta be Welches or you we aren't saved, you know. would
0: if that was true? Welches just had a monopoly over oh, determined who, who got that? <laughs> <It's> the <Jesus. laughs>
3: That would be so messed
1: up. That would be a great marketing campaign. Imagine that. <laughs> so, like, Welch we <laughs> <laughs> is what? the official blood of Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: but I think I, I re- remember reading about that in the one book about the missionary, on um, McKayla was that yeah. they had that one cause they, they lived in longhouses, And so they were made with sticks built into, they poked the sticks as long, far as they could into the ground. And so some people are like, oh, well, Jesus told the parable about you should build your house on a solid rock, but you can't build a house by sticking poles into the ground on a solid rock. It's (laughs) true. was like, well, should I, obviously you don't want to change Jesus's words, but you should, you know, in a way you have to apply the parable to the specific situation because obviously Jesus wasn't talking about building a long house when he was talking about, it's better to build your house on a solid rock even obviously that was in the point of the parable in any case so i think a lot of the times where we can get lost in something where is this a part of my culture or is this something that is um is this something that is necessarily true but i do think that within a given culture that can influence morality like I don't know. Um, because if you are in a culture such as um, America's, I think the Mur. way Mur- America, <laughs> <laughs> if you go around murdering dogs, that's going to be awful when people think about you and they're not going to think about you in a way that people should think about a Christian, right? You know what
1: I mean? Yeah.
0: And so, like a guy like Michael Vick. Um who did he murder dogs? He he dog fighting. Dog fighting um, and it was like maiming dogs and I'm sure wow. plenty of dogs die. Oh. But um
1: Well, first of all, that's just not nice. So. <laughs> right? But like I mean,
0: obviously he's gonna be more hated in somewhere like here than maybe different countries around the world that really don't care about dogs. True. Um but within the context that you are in this culture, I believe that does to a certain extent it does have a moral implication and so i think just because something is in a culture and maybe it's not absolute i don't think that it means it has no implications on morality whatsoever or how you should behave as an individual and as a christian
1: right like i was for example if you go to japan or or korea and you refuse to ever bow to anyone yeah I will not bow. I only bow to Jesus. Say that's your, 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 you know, mental place. I only bow to God, you know, and you just refuse to bow to people, even really old people, even like the, you meet the president of Korea and you're like, I'm not bowing. When you, when you go there, everyone bows to each other. It's like, it's a form of respect, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that, you got you to gotta be aware of where you're at in your cultural context. Um, but something interesting was said also in this global theology class that there's no such thing as generic Christianity. Mm. Anywhere you go, Christianity is going to be contextual, right? We do Christianity over here on our American values. In China, they have Christianity on their Chinese values. In Portugal, they have portuguese values and when you think about it jesus came as a specific human in specific time in a specific place and he was a jewish man which was the culture Mm -hmm. right and so the the things he did the things that were important to him and the people around him are contextual there's no such thing as a generic christian Mm -hmm. because any because christianity Christianity is a concept, yes, but practically Christianity lives in individuals.
0: Yeah. It it influences your whole life. It influences everything you do and your actions. And you can't really separate that. You can't, if you are a Christian, you can't separate that from the other aspects of who you are. I've got a question that Mm -hmm. kind of piggybacks off of all of this. When is the
3: line for each of you where something in cultural Mm -hmm. differences and what's culturally appropriate um, conflicts with something you hold objectively moral. When do you compromise that moral? When do you not?
1: Well, John, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> uh so basically uh some terms that we were using was the indigenizing principle and the pilgrim principle. Mm. So the indigenizing principle is that that thing, when you become a Christian, you still want to live in your culture. You still want to be around the people you were around you know you need a you need a function where you're at you know but at the same time as christians we also see ourselves as pilgrims right um so i don't belong to this world this world isn't even my home you know and so a lot of the things that you see are the same in christians around the world are things that kind of fall into that like pilgrim mindset and then a lot of the cultural differences you'll see kind of fall into that indigenizing principle. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, in each Christian, those two things are always at war. You know? Um, so, when you say, like, would you compromise your morals? It's like, you know, what are my morals? For for where I'm at. Yeah. With what I'm doing.
0: I also think that kind of goes back to the something I said before, which was... you. You have to operate like what you believe is true. And so if you do think that something is an objective value, even if it may, maybe you die, you go to heaven, you find out maybe that's just a value I had for my culture. Um, I think it also speaks to the verse where, I forget exactly where it was, where he says, if someone knows what he ought to do and he does not do it to him, it is sin. Mm-hmm. I think that if you, are, if you believe something is wrong, And you are coming from a place of genuine, uh, of a genuine heart and saying, I really believe that I'm not supposed to do this. And um, as a Christian, I believe that God is calling me not to do this. Maybe in an ultimate sense, you're not right or wrong. Maybe you're not necessarily right or wrong about that. But I believe that you are called to act on that. And I also believe that there are individual aspects of a culture that can be objectively right or wrong, according to moral system or according to um, the Bible. I believe if you, have, if you are in a situation such as um, the Aztecs with human sacrifice or if you're in an ancient Canaanite situation and you if you're family of high class you have to offer your children to Moloch. I believe as um, someone who would follow God, I would have to refuse giving my children to an idol even if that was a culture and everybody had to do that because I think that's something that's objectively wrong independent of my culture as opposed to maybe something where i'm a christian and i I personally i don't bow to anybody but god now i'm in korea you know that's a difference in culture
1: can think, we just I, I, say that this podcast doesn't condone human sacrifice? Yes,
0: we can't say that. We can't say that about this podcast right now. We don't ever condone human sacrifices. Period. All right. We can get that out of the way. Unless the person person's a bad I question, think I think this is, is it's I think <laughs> What did
3: you say, John? <laughs> 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 I, I think I think Wow, okay, it, it, I guess it, you it, can. The certain members of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think. By this, the way, oh. sarcasm was very much part of that. Just so <laughs> not to, if we're clipping this. <laughs>
2: I think this I'm also. Mostly oh, straight white right, male. Mostly <laughs> <just even laughs> sacrifice
0: yeah, I sacrifice. can see that as a headline of BuzzFeed right now. Straight white male condones human sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, But what I was about to say, I think in in a kind of weird way, I feel like this is similar to almost... Mm,
1: Not really. Okay,
0: I I just completely reconsidered what I was going to say, so I'm not going to say it anymore. Yeah, okay. So... um, Before I say something else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess kind of get back to the original question because we spent a lot of time on um, that last question that Michaela asked me about.
2: We're approaching the one-hour mark.
0: So yes, we are. So We okay. can probably go a little bit over. Yeah. The first but, one, but yeah.
3: Our devoted fans will follow us.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: line. so we don't have to, like I said, we don't have to finish all that. We could get, get to it some other time, maybe some other podcast next week or whenever. But the um, last question I, I wanted to ask, is kind of more as of what I got to before. Do you guys subscribe to utilitarian worldview? Would you say that it's the greatest good for the greatest number of people? Um, Or where do you think, is it just about life? Is it ultimately about keeping as many people alive as possible at no other cost? Is there some other sense of ultimate justice that you would say is the main determining factor of morality? Because, obviously, as all Christians, we would say we love the Bible and obviously wanting to follow God in every circumstance. But just the fact about the Bible, it doesn't have a key to say under every specific circumstance, here is exactly what you're going to do. You're going to need some sort of system of morality, hopefully based off of God's word, but to apply to each individual circumstance. So what would you guys say? Would Would you say utilitarianism? Would you go that way? how would you guys what is your ultimate moral sense and that would be the last question for Uh,
3: this is difficult I don't know necessarily what I believe here I think ultimately you have to do what you think is right Um, as far as what I think is right that's a much more difficult question I do think that there can be actions that are objectively immoral that lead to the greatest number of good for the greatest number of people Mm -hmm. Um, I, I ultimately think you have to do What you think is best, and I would say, I I don't have a good answer for this. I don't have a moral system which I can apply. I think in general, people don't have to make these uh, moral decisions practically about, you know, if I have the lever and kill 10 people or keep it on the same track and kill four people, which would I do or whatever, or kill 10 people on the same track if I change the train, you know, or Mm -hmm. kill 10 people or or four people or whatever. I generally... So like that more don't actually happen. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes you know, they do. Very rarely, but. Very rarely. Most people don't have to make that moral decision. Hmm. Uh, ultimately, I think you have to do what you think is right. And try to help the most people you can. Love your neighbors yourself. All that good stuff that warms your heart. Um, so that, that's my <laughs> opinion. I don't have a very well thought out moral system, unfortunately about what I would do for each circumstance Mm. that I can use. But those are my opinions on that particular subject.
2: I'm in a pretty similar boat, but I'll just add that I think whenever we say like utilitarian versus this versus that, Mm -hmm. and we sort of throw out these names for these fancy ideas in Mm -hmm. textbooks, I think that sort of oversimplifies the way human beings make decisions. Very much so. Um, Because, I mean, no one perfectly follows one strict thing Generally speaking, mm. um, I think you can have elements of both and you can have or multiple sort of ideologies and theories and you can have multiple priorities too. Mm. Um, for example, I, I may think religiously a set of things as an individual that some things are sin, some things are good, but I'm not necessarily going to put those on the same priority. For example, if I become say, say if I was an elected official, I had some governing power, right? Mm. I'm not necessarily going to put those at the same scale and priority to the point where my governing power is used to dictate all of my personal views, right? Like I'm going to, in different roles, value and put forth certain values more so than others. Like on an economic or business perspective, I might prioritize freedom. I might prioritize allowing um, businesses to do what they want. I might prioritize getting the government, um, ultimately out of people's way and you know protecting rights and, and law and order and things like that like don't let people murder each other in the streets mm. um but on an individual level i'm going to prioritize and think and act out of um i maybe more complex set of priorities so i don't think just saying i'm this or that i
3: don't I, I think that's sort of a loaded question i don't think there's any good way to answer let it let me ask you why would you make that distinction between say i think and i'll just use this as an example say i think personally um you know gay marriage is wrong or something but you know because i have a libertarian you know political philosophy or something like that i would say i think gay marriage should be legal that's just an example why would you make that distinction um if you think something's immoral more why would you make it more um available or easier to do or something along those lines
2: well i think there's more than one reason for that i think and and some of it depends on the individual issue so I don't want to oversimplify it but um for example um let's say let's take something like I don't know alcohol marijuana things like that substances that mm. generally are not considered good for you but mm. people typically tend to consume and it's kind of a, a part of society that's not going to go away anytime soon or in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain human vices and elements to society that first of all it's not my place to control other people and I also believe that uh because we are individuals and and we are all made in the image of God and all that, we have individual human dignity and we have the agency to make choices for ourselves. And I think forcing someone else to make choices, um, I'm not going to say it's necessarily a sin, but I think it's, it's generally, uh, I don't think it's a good way to win them over to my cause or make people more moral. I think that I can think it's something is wrong, but also by forcing someone to do what I think is right and control their lives. I think that's also wrong. And I think that, um, you know, even if I'm completely justified in an action, that also might not be the best approach if I want to um, make people or society or fill in the blank better. So I think it's just too complicated to say, well, I think this, therefore, the entire world and society needs to be oriented the way that
3: I believe is right. I just don't think that's that's realistic. I don't think that's how the world works. But don't you still do that to a certain extent? Don't you still say. Here's what I believe about the world. Now I want to orient the world in a way that better fits my worldview. That you would do that in economic policy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Have a philosophy of how you think the world should work, and then you try to orient the world around that. So why is there a distinction on this particular? I guess we're kind of running over. So I mean, I think you do the best yeah. you can. Yeah. But okay, that you mostly <laughs> yeah. answer my question. I just cool. want to say. It.
1: Actually, I'm a strict utilitarian
3: interesting
1: no I'm just, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding um no i mean if you ask me that question about you know would i pull lever and hit the kid or the people whatever and like my first question would be like where were those people going were they going to go like <laughs> Were they going to go like kill a village of people? Were they like a train full of soldiers on their way to like set up a concentration camp? Like what are they what are they doing? You know? What had that kid done? You know? Mm. Was the is is the kid alive? Is the kid already dead? Like (laughs) what I said about (laughs) what I said about situational, like life is situational. There's no there's no hypothetical in life, okay? There's just not. There's always, when you're talking about people, there's always a person in there with a soul and a mindset and things they've done and sins they've committed. You know, would I kill one person over two people? What if those two people had just previously beat up that other one person? I mean, it, it maybe it changes for you. Maybe it doesn't.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe it changes for you. Maybe God. it doesn't. But it's something to consider, you yeah. know. And so it's like, you can't divorce people from what they've done, what they're about to do. And ultimately, God is the only one who knows all of that. Mm. So that's why I t- total other podcasts, but that question of like, you know, why would God kill thousands of people? You don't know what they were thinking. You don't know what they were about to do. You don't know who they were about to go uh, kill and steal from.
2: If you were God, maybe you would kill a couple thousand people. I mean.
1: Exactly. That's <laughs> I I've got I might
0: kill like 7.8 billion. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, well we're glad Josh isn't gone. Um, but you you see my point here. I I think, you know, utilitarianism and all of those other isms are all hypothetical and therefore not too useful in my practical life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well all right. I don't really know how to end it, but well, I think no, it was good. Time. Here's how we should end. Up. Okay. <laughs>
1: we, I'm we on one percent, well, we man. Close the door
3: we opened at the beginning. Here we go. We see the world not as it is, <laughs> but as we are. Thank <laughs> you so much for listening to the podcast. We love you.